Mel Tempest is known as a fitness business influencer, hands-on health club owner, ebook author, and presenter. Mel has known to be controversial, challenges the status quo, and lives outside the square. Her skill set is current on trends, savvy, and in demand. Her primary goal is to get more health club owners moving towards innovation, technology, and social media success. Her own success comes through tough and humble beginnings. Mel Tempest now presents to you the Gym Owners Podcast. More than just the business of fitness. Proudly supported by National Fitness Business Alliance. Today we are speaking to Andrew Simmons. Andrew's business, Vision Personal Training, was recognized in the top five national franchisees by Smart Companies Top 50 Companies Nationally. It's Andrew's vision leadership and ongoing dedication to the health and fitness industry that earned him a spot in the top five. Good evening, Andrew. Good evening, Mel. Thanks for having me on. You're very welcome. Andrew, please do tell us about Vision Personal Training, when that was established and how many studios do you now have? Okay, uh, we started Vision back in August 1999. Um, I actually started Vision uh, with a, a business partner, uh, Jeff Jowett, uh, way back then, um, we actually ran Vision through a commercial health club in the Sutherland Shire of Sydney. Uh, it was uh, called Club Physical at the time, uh, which then later was taken over by Healthland, uh, which became uh, then uh, Fitness First when when uh, Healthland basically went uh, went to the wall. Um, so we we ran the, the business out out of that club there in Fitness First in Sylvania for a couple of years before. They managed to change the rules on personal training, so it forced us to uh, to leave that business um, and then go and set up our first studio in Caringbar, which was uh, a few minutes down the road from the, uh, the Fitness First Sylvania uh, business. Um, and then we, we basically grew our business down there in a, about 400 square metres, a bit over 400 square metres down in Caringbar. And then after about three years of being down there, we decided to franchise the business. Um, so uh, about six, we've got 60 studios now, you know, all these years later. And, and loving the ride. Wow, 60 studios. That's absolutely fantastic. So how many people are involved in the 60 studios? Well, generally speaking, we've got a, a, generally a franchisee of each one of them. We've got a number who own multiple studios. And then they generally have a manager in between uh, five to seven trainers in each, each one of those studios. So there's roughly uh, 450 people in the network at the moment. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, it's growing and it's really exciting. Obviously, you can't be a real leader without vision. So why is leadership vision so powerful? Because it's more than just a statement hanging on the wall. Absolutely. I mean, I think at the end of the day, if you want to achieve anything great, you need to. You can't really do that by yourself. That's, that's, that's the most important point. Um, so leadership is essential because in our business, we have a philosophy that we focus on people, process, and then clients. So if we basically take care of the people and we understand the people and we know how motivated and how driven they are, then they'll be motivated enough to follow the process that we actually have in place. And you can imagine in a franchise network, process is absolute key. And if they follow that process, then the client numbers and the growth will take care of itself. So a lot, a lot of people focus on generally clients. They think the client is everything and the customer is always right. However, I look at it from a different perspective and I think it's important that we focus on the development of our people. Because the people are at the end of the day, you know, it doesn't, doesn't matter how good, say, a race car is, being a Ferrari, which I would call a system. doesn't matter how good that system is unless you've got a fantastic driver of that car and then a great team behind the driver and the car to bring it all together. 
I agree with that. So can I ask you then, how often do you revisit, you know, your vision and your mission practices? Do you do this once a year, twice a year? How does it work for vision? Well, funny enough, I've just been, I've just been working on our core values, literally tonight, just before I got on the call. Um, it's something that we, we work on it uh, you know, quite consistently. I mean, we've got a, we've got a strategy piece, which is, um, which is the, I think it sort of governs the whole, the whole thing really. In that you know you need to have a good strategy. That's that's important. Now I did a Harvard Harvard Business course um, and to develop our strategy statement moving forward. And the whole premise, without going into the great detail of it, it needed to have in in 35 words or less less your objective, your scope, and your advantage. So we worked on developing a strategy to to grow to 100 studios by 2020. Um, so we we sort of basically clung everything onto that. And obviously behind that, then we need to make sure we have our why. And we, our biggest why is we build communities transforming people's lives. So you know, a little bit along the lines of the Simon Sinek stuff, we, you know, he talks about the golden circle a lot. Um, mm. Most people know what they do, they know how they do it, but they just don't know why they do it. You know, so that's been something that we're focused on heavily. And we've got a really strong why which won't change. But how we do that, and that is, that is what our core values, they may change over time we refine those. And what we do may also change. So when we look at our why, we, we build communities transforming people's lives. We really focus our, our business in what we do. We focus on one-on-one -on -one personal training in order to do that. And we also focus on small group sessions and education sessions in, in, um, in small studios. So that's sort of the, that's what we do right now. But will that always be what we do? Not necessarily. Just depends on how the business evolves and how how consistently we manage to roll everything else out, uh, but it always comes back to that why, and that's the that's the thing that stays strong. That's that's not going to change. All those other things may change over time. So, do you sit down with your team and ask them what their why is? Do you do that on a regular basis? Yeah, that's well, that's something we were really working on at the moment. You know, sitting down and, and working out. At the moment, I've just read Find Your Why. So, you know, Simon Sinek's yep. written that first yeah. book, Start With Why. And it's interesting. It's sort of focused on what to do there. I mean, you know, it's important to focus on your why. But I'm really heavily involved at the moment in, you know, as part of building business plans for people. Like I can, I can build the greatest tools for everybody in, the, in our network. But unless I understand what their drivers are, then they're not going to be motivated by it. So we work really well on uh, at the moment on really identifying you know, what someone's future looks like. And we tend to ask the important questions, especially with personal trainers, for example. Like, do you want to have a family? You know, is, is that important to you? Um, you know, do you, how are you planning on supporting your family? Um, you know, what's, what's important to you? Do you want to invest in, in property? Do you want to invest in business? Where, where, do you, you know, where do you see your future? So we go into these really, you know, a lot, a lot of people say the tough questions, but I really believe that they're actually just the important questions. A I agree of, with that, yeah. You know, and a lot of people don't necessarily go deep. They, they say if you want to build a, a great building, then you need to go deep first. And, and what I mean by deep first when it comes to ourselves is that you need to go deep inside yourself and ask yourself the, the deep questions, the really important questions. But uh, for a lot of people, that's really scary and they just don't want to go there. Or unfortunately, they just they live their life and – that might be a bit hard. <laughs> that yeah. might take a bit of time, so they think they just don't go and do it. I think fear plays a large role in people not wanting to go to answer those questions. And um, this is something that even in my own business, you know, we, we're trying to work with our staff all the time, overcoming their fears 
and putting plans in place and helping them get to their goals. And I think part of being a, a leader is, is recognizing um, you know, your employees' achievements. How do you do that in your business? In terms of recognizing achievements? Yeah. As studios, we have structured performance reviews. You know, that's, that's one of the things we're working on as well at the moment is a, a structured, uh, just sort of refining our management performance reviews. Um, with the way they work. So we're, we're very, very clear in terms of how we, you know, incentivise the trainers, whether it's, you know, through a structured performance review system, you know, so we're, we're, we're focused on that, whether it's, um, you know, weekly rewards, um, recognising the trainers, what they do. We said I have a superstar award system inside the studios. You know, I would, I would, we do that on a monthly basis. Um, we have, um, you know, trainer of the challenge. We also, you know, have one across the network, of the, the trainer who wins, um, who achieves the best client results, win around, wins a round-the-world trip, that sort of stuff. So we uh, we tend to have little, like little awards inside studios on a regular basis. Then we have our big awards when it comes to our regions, so, you know, such as our PT of the year or our mentee of the year or our most valuable peer of the year. So we have a lot of awards that go on, you know, on an individual basis inside studios, but then also as a network as a whole. So how important do you think it is to recognise employees' accomplishment? Oh, it's it's critical, right? It's especially with this generation coming through now. You know, they, it's uh, it's a little bit different to the um, the you know the the, the baby boomers and the Gen yep. X. I'm a Gen Xer, you know, so you know, sort of this philosophy, just head down, bum up, and away you go, and yep. you're sort of um, you know, you, ha you have that sort of long time perspective, I think. You know, but now you know with the way um, technology works and the way people just expect instant gratification, mm -hmm. um, I think that, I think that recognition is obviously critical. Um, you know, often, often for a lot of them, it's on a daily basis. You know, it's just <laughs> they just they just need that little that little spark all the time. But again, that just depends on the person as well. You know, so I don't necessarily want to generalise there. We just got to understand them. You know, whether it's their their disc profiles. We do a lot of work in disc. Um, so you know, we're understanding what's going to drive them. You know, you look at their love language. There's yeah. there's a whole lot, lot lot of different tools that you can use to identify. But you know, understanding that's really important. So obviously then how do you involve your team in change in order to create like smooth transitions and what would you recommend to other business leaders when a team member rejects change? Well, I think, uh, I think the most important thing, and I, and I probably have suffered with this over the, the time to be honest. You know, I, I basically, I'm one of these people, I'm very, very driven, very direct. I, I, everything in my brain needs to be done perfectly now. So I tend to plow ahead, but a lot of people want to understand the why. You know, why are we actually making that change? You know, and then I have to say, for me, I have to think about the, the the philosophy all the time that fast is slow and slow is fast. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a great sort of coaching principle. You know, if you want to get a, a fast result with somebody, then you need to actually slow down and then you need to ask them questions to identify what's driving and where they're coming from. Do they understand? You know, but often if you, if you try and go fast with somebody by tell, 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 you'll often get a slow result because they won't understand, they won't buy in. Do you find that more with this generation that's currently in the industry? I think as a generalisation, that's the case. But, but I must say that as, you, uh, as your business grows and you, and you have more people involved, that's a challenge in itself. So, you know, I, I, I'm not sure it's necessarily if it's fair to say, well, this generation, I just think for, for, for us in our business, you know, when we were small and nimble, when we had about 10 studios, as an example, you know, it was like a little, little speedboat that was really nimble. You know, yeah. so to, to affect change was actually a lot easier. But now as you're sort of growing, you know, what I'd call a, a big cruise liner, you know, when you're, when you're moving, uh, mobilising a whole lot of people, 
well, it's much harder to turn that ship. It just takes more time to be able to do that. So, you know, like you've got to you've got to get buy-in from a network. So, you know, when we have we have things like leadership councils now, um, so that we can we have people who are elected by their peers as representatives, so that we can get a voice from other people around us, especially from a network wide. And when we're dealing with people in you know, different states and even different countries, you know, it, it's actually quite challenging at times to to get feedback. Whereas, you know, when, when you're in a when you're in just say in, in the, your own four walls and you see people every day, you know, to affect change is actually a lot easier in that that way. So, hence, it just I have to actually accept that it's just going to take longer. I agree with you. I found over the last couple of years, and I'm not saying it's just this generation, but I'm just finding now everything does have to have a has to have a why. You've got to sort of sit down and explain the reason why you're doing things and how they're going to benefit from it, which leads me to people and recruiting. So recruiting in the health and fitness industry, you know, can be extremely time-consuming and stressful for business owners. And knowing that you've interviewed many people over the years, what are some of the tips that you can pass on to find the right person for the job? Look, I, th- I think, um, I mean, I, I live by the, the philosophy that actions speak louder than words. So we have a really comprehensive recruitment process where you, you, you know, we focus on sort of rules of three. So you interview them by at sort of three times of the day in three different environments by three different people and have those them in, the, in the process. So you know, we, we try and make sure that we, we never just get somebody to come in and have an interview. For example, we, you know, they, they tell you a good, good, um, good story about how, good, how, you know, how successful they've been and how good they are. I just care about what you're going to do. You can tell yeah. me everything you want to do. It's a, it's one of those things. We have a little saying. It's called, "Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see if you're that good. We'll see if you're actually going to hang yeah. in there and do that." And it's just about then saying, "Okay, well, we've got another interview that's going to come up. So uh, up on this date, it's going to be at this time. You know, in this environment. You know, will you be here? Blah blah." So we tend to we we really have a long winded, long winded re- recruitment process or even even uh, interview slash onboarding process you know just to make sure that we can we can obviously identify if they're if they're obviously telling you know telling us the truth in terms of how they really behave yeah i I love i love in an interview especially with personal trainers it's a it's a common one they you always ask it you know why do you want to be a personal trainer and and they'll often come back with i just want to help people it's just it's generally the standard opening um response they give and i say well okay so tell me how many people do you need to serve each week to satisfy that need or goal? And often it's met with absolute silence. Yeah, I've <laughs> heard they, that, yeah. yeah. They just don't know, right? They, you don't know. And then often it takes you generally maybe eight to ten questions with most people, unfortunately, to actually get the truth about where they're really at. So I think that's the ability as a – you say as, when you're trying to recruit, well, it's, it's your coaching skills really. Yes. It's your ability to then ask the right linking questions to find out what's really driving them. Because most people only ever give you very, very superficial answers, almost based on what they think you want to hear. And so often when, I, when you're doing an interview, I mean, we have a scan interview form and I have, say, 25 questions on, on an interview form. But if our guys aren't asking 100 questions, well, you're not, you probably don't actually understand what the true motivations of that person are and, and really who they are. So, Andrew, what's the time span from the moment that you, you conduct the first interview to the time that they, they start their first day at Vision? What's that time span? Is it a month? Is it two months? Is it six weeks? 
Well, well, generally speaking, I mean, I'd say it's about a month, you know. But again, that's going to come back to the person. So, you know, it's it's often when I mean when we do a lot of training, a lot of people say, well, how long is it going to take to get good at something? Or we we might say, how how good is it going to take to become good at doing initial initial consultations where you're selling a personal training program? And someone might say, oh, that takes at least six weeks to get good. And I say, okay, so more importantly, how many times in that six-week period do you do it? And they might say, well, they might role-play and do that you know, eight times to become good at it. So really what they're saying is they're saying it's going to take eight times to get good at it. So therefore, that could be chunked down. And someone could actually be fairly competent and doing that in a week if you're prepared to spend eight times role-playing and going through that process. So I don't necessarily think it's about the length of the amount of time. Because if they could come back every day and they could prove to you every day and it could take that, that time frame might actually come down. But if they've only got the ability to come in to see you once a week to go through that due to other commitments they may have, well, geez, it might, it might take you eight weeks to, to get through that process. So, Andrew, do you do actual role playing in your interview process, do you? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so I I can't remember the last time a club owner uh, told me that they did that. So what are three good tips then in the interview process for club owners? Because I'm finding at the moment a lot of club owners are just interviewing them on Monday and hiring them on Tuesday and the whole process is about half an hour, 45 minutes. Right. That, that's well, that, that, I that's know a it's, concern. It is a concern and I think the, the, the issue is, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that the majority of club owners are struggling to get personal trainers as employees so they're just grabbing at whoever comes through the front door. So that's obviously an issue in the industry at the moment, but what are three tips that you could give club owners to find the right people? Three great, you know, great, three great questions in the interview process. Okay, so the first one for me is always, why do you want to be a personal trainer? Because I, I, then I link that, chunk that down to find out how motivated are and how many hours that they need to do. So, for example, so you need to do personal training. Okay, so how many hours do you need to do? They might say, oh, I really just want to do as many as I possibly can. Okay, so for what purpose? How's that going to enhance your life? How is training clients going to serve you? And then depending on what they say, then it comes back to, well, well you know, often, often by the time you get to the real truth, it might be around, well, I actually really want to save some money to go on a holiday or whatever. So then you know, okay, they're driven by holidays or you know, you know what their motivations are. Because often I, I think in the fitness industry, I've, I've found this in the past when I've actually asked some of our owners. So I said, someone left you after three months. Oh, they, they decided to go on an overseas trip. They're really motivated to go away and, and holiday and work overseas. So I think, well, that could have been identified in the first interview. That's right. If you had really asked the, you know, enough questions, you may have actually found out through that. Now, often what I found when I've interviewed people, they actually tell you things that they probably didn't mean to tell you because when you start coaching them, they start and you start asking the right linking questions, you find out their motivations and they look at you and they think, far out, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said, yep. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't have said to this person yeah. that I'm really motivated to go and play soccer in England yeah. in six months. <laughs> so yeah. then I think, okay, great. Yep, I'm looking for somebody who wants to make a commitment to our business so you're probably not the person that's going to be right for True. me. True. True. They're just right? looking for an income. Yep. Absolutely. So then, the other other ones are around role. When I when you ask them the question around role play, um, we often 
want to find out what people actually know and how well they can communicate. So, for example, okay, we might ask, so someone comes to you and they say they want to lose 30 kilos, right? What advice would you give them? And then we, we work on what, what their level of knowledge is right now because that's going to determine whether or not we think they're going to be ready for us or they need to go away and do further learning. You know, someone might come up with, with some sort of, sort of crazy idea on some sort of diet plan or exercise plan, which is totally out of the realm of obviously with what we do. You know, and, and, and we can get an idea of actually whether or not they're, they're really highly geared towards you know, running their own path or whether they are, they are happy to be able to fall into our processes and they're actually really willing to learn. And we often find by asking that question as to how set in their ways they actually are with regarding some philosophies. Because I think that's what, especially, we are so results-driven with what we do that we want to make sure that people actually understand our philosophies and believe in them rather than coming in and saying, well, I think this is the only way that you need to train a client. And we think, okay, maybe you're not going to be someone who's going to be right for our team. I agree with that. So where do you find your personal trainers? Where do you do your recruitment? Um, we do a lot of recruitment through uh, the websites, you know, so such as Healthy People, such as Seek. So we've, we've always found um, Healthy People and Seek to be um, quite good in that sense. Yeah. Uh, but, but I think, I mean, people buy from people. So I, th- the, the, I think one of the most important things we can do is get in front of the trainers. So we've always found by going to the course providers um, that that's been a, a really great way to be able to get um, obviously get trainers. So you know whether it's through um, Australian Institute of Fitness, AIPT, FIA Fit Nation, and generally often them have been the biggest ones now. Um, or even the TAFEs. You know I've found over the years that when we've gone and spoken to them and then they understand what our business is all about and they often buy into the into the people. I mean, I'm presenting it, especially at the Australian Institute of Fitness, I've presented there for, for many, many years. Um, you know, I've done some presenting for, for Max, uh, Max College as well, for international fitness professionals, done a lot of work with Kerry and Owen over the years as well. Um, so you know, just sort of getting in front of them and actually doing some chats for them. And then when people see what you're all about, then they'll buy into you. And I think one of the things that people confuse, it's not, not actually not recruitment. I look at it as being a trackman. So you want to, you want to become more attractive. Yeah. And I think I think a lot of people get it wrong when they think, well, they have a philosophy. Why should I employ you? What makes you so good? And especially in today's market, you've really got to sell yourself, and you've got to be attractive to them because now there is so much choice in terms of where people can go. They're looking for the people that they can buy into and they can learn the most from. So I think it's a it's a mindset shift around that, that you want to show people what you can do for them, not necessarily sit back and go, well, what makes you so good? So Andrew Simmons can do that. How does an independent club owner get their face in front of an RTO in order to audition for staff? Well, I think that's just the relationships you have. So, you know, I think I've, I've done that right from the start with my business all the way back, you know, from when I first started. So... You know, it wasn't as if it's just sort of something that's always been there. I haven't I've never been a, I haven't been a, a known person in in the industry my whole career. I've just, um, like a lot of other people can do, whether it's they you know, go along to things like finites or you know they get in contact with you know finites through the Australian Institute of Fitness mm-hmm. has been been a, a strong one for us over the years, um, or just developing relationships. And you know, we get our franchise owners to do exactly the same thing. So you now, whilst they're they're not me who's obviously leading the organisation. As an individual franchise owner, they're always encouraged to go along and 
and do these types of things and just get in, get in front of people. You know, so I think it's I think it's open for any independent clubber, and they just got to basically make the time to be able to do that. I mean, that's great advice. I mean, there'd be a lot of independent club owners listening to this podcast that wouldn't even think about going and speaking to a, a group of young people coming through the industry as possible um, employees. So we've gone we've gone through you know us. We've spoken about recruitment. We've spoken about uh, you know your vision and your mission. So obviously at the end of the day, we need a little bit of work-life balance. And it's a tough gig. We live in a world where everything's 24-7 from our careers to technology to our everyday lifestyle. How do you promote and encourage work-life balance? Okay, I think, I think the work-life balance concept is, a, is an absolute myth, to be honest with you. I'm so glad think, you said that. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, and I often teach this just to, to people in our network and also students. I ask them the question, so... What's the opposite to life? And they'll say death. And people talk about this work versus life thing. So people tend to put work and death inside the same box. And I think that's and that's unfortunately the case for, for many people. I mean, I was in that situation 20-odd years ago. I left school and worked in a chartered accounting firm for two years when I first left school. Now, you know, in, in hindsight, like I actually learned, I learned to, from that experience to be very disciplined with my time because we had to give him timesheets and account for every six minutes of our day. So that was actually a very good thing for me to, to become disciplined and, and make sure that I, I was um, basically very efficient with what I did. But I tell you, it was the dark side. I, I hated what I did. So I wanted to, I, I said things like I've got Monday-itis, I, you know, Wednesday was hump die day, I said, thank God it's Friday. Or now someone there said, said Friday, you know, and all these <laughs> other terms that people make. You know, and then I, I went on a cycle and I went out on the weekend and, and basically got myself obliterated, you know, in a nightclub with my mates and then woke up with a condition and, and expected to be successful, you know, when, you know, I was like a, an unhealthy client really on that Monday morning. So, you know, for me it was just about, well, you're going to get balance really if you enjoy what you do. You know, it's like, a, it's just life. It's life and if I, I find that, you know, one saying that I've got is that I, I have a complete, I have a perfectly imbalanced life. So I what like that, that means, what, what, what it means I can do is when I work hard, I work hard. You know, but then when I, then when I play hard, play, I play hard. So, you know, I've booked my wife and four kids, you know, so that, that makes it, you know, quite a challenge and especially around holiday times. That makes it really hard because kids are at home. Well, you know, I know when it comes generally a couple of weeks after the school holidays finish, um, then Fiona's a mess, you know, yeah. because she's just dealing with the kids all the time. So now we have a, and I try and make sure that a lot of them is actually away because I know that for me, when I'm actually here and I'm close, I tend to, because I love what I do, I tend to, you know, keep working, you know. So I've, I've set boundaries around myself so that when I work, I work hard. And then when I play, I do really cool stuff. I like you that know, philosophy. So, I like you know, that and, philosophy. Yeah. And also, I think what it does too with relationships. It actually, I think one of the you know big things for anybody is that if you've got if you've got a partner who's relying on you as, as well, then and they know they've got something to to look forward to. That that's that's a game changer. It's been a game changer for me. So if I'm saying, yeah, babe, I'm working really hard. I'm working really hard. We're gonna get there. And she's thinking you're off flitting around doing all your sorts of stuff, and I'm stuck here with the kids. But I go, hey, by the way. We're actually, remember, we're going to we're going to Disney World in four weeks, <laughs> yeah. or, or we're going to Whistler in four. Oh yeah, that's, yeah, cool. Can't wait for that. 
you know, yeah. but, but they know, but she knows that, you know, at the end of the day, that wouldn't be able to happen if I wasn't so committed to what I do. I agree with yeah. that. I mean, I've, I've heard lots of people say to me over the years, you know, you need to create more work-life balance. And I say, I love what I do. And if I want to work, you know, 12 hours, 14 hours a day, if I'm loving it, why not do it? Because to me, that, that is work-life balance. And if I want to yeah. take a day out, I'll take a day out. I, yeah. I, yeah, I don't believe this, you know, you've got to take Saturday, Sunday off. Just do what you love because that makes you happy and therefore you get you get more results. That's how I look at it in the, in the long run. You know, Andrew, it's been a pleasure um, speaking to you today. I'd love for you to advise the, the listeners where they can get in contact with you. Sure. Email is great. Um, Andrew at hq.visionpersonaltraining.com. That's one way. Um, jump on Facebook if you like and sort of I tend to play a little bit in Facebook but to be honest you know not you know not a hell of a lot I'm I'm not really too big on that so you know generally around my email is fine Um, you can jump on our vision website visionpersonaltraining.com there's um there's contact details around that as well Um, they're probably the the, the best ways to get in contact with me definitely but I'm I'm happy I'm happy to share and, and help people I mean it's one of those things that over the years you are you, you, you realise some of the pitfalls that you've made and some of the mistakes you made that you don't want other people to make. You know, it's it's it's, it's an industry where, you know, one of my the reasons why I've played, you know, I'm the, I run on the board of Fitness Australia, for example, has simply been because I just want to improve stuff and see people actually benefit from this industry. Now, because so many people, like the average career span of a personal trainer is as low as, you know, five months, for example. You know, and that's mm-hmm. and that to me is just hideous. You know, so to to be able to be involved with that, to actually help the lifespan or career span of a personal trainer, to make sure they've got the tools to be successful, um, is is really important because unfortunately we're, just, we're losing this war, and that that war is against diabetes. You know, yeah. and, and even and even as I know that even even when we have a hundred studios in the next few years, you know, with my business it's it's very. It's very boutique, so you know the average studio only has a couple of hundred clients that we really focus on maximising the results for. You know, the philosophy: small, friendly studios where everyone knows your name. You yeah. know, so so even when we've got that, you, you do the mathematics on that, and each week we're only going to be servicing really twenty thousand sort of people. You know, it's it's not a lot. You know, it's it's not a lot for us to service. When the, when we've got millions of people That's out right. there that actually need our help. That's right. You know, so I look at this this um this thing about trying to share it and help people become better because I mean, this is the best industry in the world, you know, or I like to say the best profession in the world, which I'm, you know, and that's one of the reasons I want to try and turn one of the, the the visions that I had and actually how we came up with the, the name Vision was I sat down at my desk one day and said I've got a vision. That we can turn this industry into a profession, because I believe that we're, I think we're more important than you know. This might sound a bit arrogant, but I actually reckon we're more important than doctors, because we are the ones who prevent people from actually needing to go there. Oh, so I we agree can with st- that. Stop people going there now. Sure, they go and do all their study, and that quite can be quite offensive because a lot of people will hang on to that, that that whole idea of well, hang on, I'm here to fix it. I've studied for six years or something, but we have the we have the ability through better eating and better exercise to make people healthier so they don't have to or well, don't have to be such burdens on the healthcare system. So that's that's a major mission for me. 
Andrew, your passion is absolutely incredible and I don't doubt for one moment that you are going to inspire many people that listen to the podcast. And I was just sitting here now listening to you. Um, I actually just pulled up a, a Jack Welsh quote which reminds me of you and it's good business leaders create a vision, articulate the vision, passionately own the vision and relentlessly drive it to completion. And that is you, my friend, all over. Yeah, and that and that's thank you for that. I mean, that's been something that's a real mission. I've got to say, you know, as a leader, it's funny you, you tend to tend to grow, and I've, I've just got to come to terms with it as well. Sometimes when you're trying to do that and you're trying to break through the barriers, you know, you've got people who are trying to pull you down. You know what I mean? And and that that can be tight. Hard. They say, you know, great saying by T D. Jakes is new levels, new devils. That's you know, very as true. Try, as you try and climb, the higher you climb, the more people are pulling you down. So, you know, it's it's it's, it's I, I, what I mean by that. I really appreciate you saying that because that's always been something that's on my mind, and it sort of reassures me that, that I know that I'm doing the right thing to keep moving forward, regardless of what some of the people, you know, whether it's outside of our network, inside our network at times. And it's a the the, the interesting part about franchising. There's a great saying in franchising: it's often when things are going great. The franchisees will say it's because of them. And when things are going bad, <laughs> it's because of the franchise all. That's exactly you know? right. You know, and oh, and that's that's what it's it's not a and I don't take that, you know, just as a personal vision thing. That's said right across the franchising sector. You know, it's quite we have a bit of a laugh about it, you know. So no, I appreciate that because that that's the um yeah, that's that's always been the, the dream and the goal. And you know what, Andrew, just keep looking forward, don't look back. Um, I totally understand where you're coming from. Just stick to your goal because you will get there and you're, you're going to change lives. And along the way, you're going to also give other people opportunities that have been given to you. And, you know, you're going to mould somebody to take on the role of Andrew Simmons one day. And I think that that's absolutely incredible. And your passion, I truly do say this, is absolutely incredible. And I really appreciate your time this afternoon. So thank you so much for allowing me to interview you. Uh, I'm definitely going to catch up with you after Christmas time we might do another podcast just to see where you're going and um, sure. hopefully you'll get uh, some questions from some club owners or even some PTs that are looking into getting into the industry but again thank you very much for your time today very much appreciated okay you're welcome Mel. thank you <laughs> thank you Thank you for joining the Gym Owners Podcast, sponsored and supported by National Fitness Business Alliance and Gym Click Media. Find Mel Tempest on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Join us next time for the Gym Owners Podcast.